Good morning, UACP family. The topic today that I would like to share is entitled Ordinary Men, Extraordinary God, and keep your Bibles open to Joshua chapter 14, verse 1 to 15. Now, because of COVID-19, we have, uh, it speaks to us loud and clear that adversity is really part of the human life. And oftentimes, we hear this popular phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And we hope that this phrase can encourage us to overcome adversity, to be tough inside out. And this kind of mindset tells us that success is about your inner strength. What makes a person successful is their personality, is their ability, is their sense of responsibility, or even their financial resources. So our tendency is when we look at uh, successful people who have these qualities, we immediately declare, that's not for me, I will not succeed. But this is the world's definition of success. Rather, we must take the Bible's definition of success. And we should ask a different question. And the question is, what separates great men and great men, uh, great men from great men of God? Let me repeat that. What separates great men from great men of God? What is the difference between Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great who conquered nations versus a person like Brother Lawrence, or Telemachus, right? Caesar and Alexander, they're known for their uh, mighty military exploits, while Brother Lawrence was seen as a spiritual father for many he advised and gave spiritual counsel to. Telemachus was an ordinary monk who went to the Colosseum, and because of his battle against uh, uh, violence, no, he gave up his life and ended the gladiatorial combats of Rome. Two people who served with great military might, they were seen as great men. But it is this great men of God whose books we continue to read, whose lives we continue to talk about. So my point is this. These men were simple and ordinary men. And what sets them apart from the great men that we talk about is that they have an extraordinary God. So if you think today that you cannot be used of God, then you have been completely mistaken because God only needs ordinary men who believe in an extraordinary God. Right? Ordinary men who believe in an extraordinary God. And so when we look at the great cloud of witnesses described in Hebrew who left their mark in the history of the Bible, they were all ordinary men with an extraordinary God. So today, as we are in the midst of the crisis of the pandemic, we ask, will our life matter? Will we leave our mark behind? Will we really impact people around us. And so I would like to challenge this thinking by telling you, this is not a matter of your competence. It is really a matter of your calling and obedience as a child of God. Because God uses ordinary men to, 
to accomplish extraordinary things as they put their trust and hope in God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for again reminding us that it is not being extraordinary that matters so that we will make a difference as we love God and make disciples, but it is really about having an extraordinary God like you. Help us, O oh God, to understand how you have called us and how you want us to leave a mark in the lives of others around us, especially during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's go to our passage today in the book of Joshua. And it is like reading the headlines okay, of uh, news. Okay? So if it is already at the next stage of the occupation of the promised land, it's like graduation year. Konti na lang patapos na. No, they were, the entire nation was entering, conquering the promised land, and they have conquered already a big portion. And uh, two and a half tribes had already received their inheritance. And right now, they're dividing up the land on the other side to the uh, nine and a half tribes. And it is a given already that they will indeed succeed. They just have to go for it. So it's like talking about graduation year. They're almost there. They're almost done with the conquest of the promised land. So here, uh, Joshua chapter 14 gives us a general picture of what is happening to the nation of Israel. And let me uh, read, and you can read along uh, this passage in Joshua chapter 14. These are the inheritance that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the father's houses of the tribes of people of Israel gave them to inherit. No, they have not yet conquered these pieces of land. It was just allocated already in obedience to what God told them. Their inheritance was by lot, bunutan, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and a half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance to the two and a half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in, with their pasture land for their livestock and their substance. The people of Israel did as uh, the Lord commanded Moses, and they allotted the land. Okay, so they already allocated the land, and now these remaining tribes have to go in and finish conquering this land that the Lord promised to them, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. But after this passage, we will be zooming in to a specific man in the book of Joshua, who was not mentioned throughout so much on the first uh, 13 chapters. And this man is a very important figure during an early time when the ten spies were sent to the land. And this man is Caleb. Now, and we see that God is not only concerned with the general picture of the conquest or the nation, he is also concerned with how each person live their lives according to his purpose 
now we are in a very difficult time, this pandemic situation. We hope that we can survive as long as it is there. We will be able to thrive. But the question, when it really ends, when the time comes, is not that we have survived, but who have we become and what have we done to honor God, right? Who have we become and what have we done in this uh, time of crisis to honor God, to love God and make disciples? Because a crisis such as this can be a hindrance for you to fulfill God's calling in your life or an opportunity for you to make a difference in the life of others. So what you expect God to do through you matters a lot. Now Joshua and Caleb goes down memory lane and they reminded each other of what happened 45 years back. They were spying the land of promise. They came up with a positive report, but the rest of the spies uh, gave a negative report and the people became afraid that their hearts, they lost their courage and their hearts melted. Now Joshua became the successor of Moses, but what happened? to Caleb. These two elderly men, probably both in their 80s now, came together after not seeing for a long time maybe, or it's not just mentioned, and they were talking, it's like they were talking about the good old times. Now let me just bring you to Numbers 14, verse 6 to 9, uh, the first incident where they were mentioned together. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. They saw the land and say, wow, it is re- the, the, the land God has promised is really good. And if the Lord delights in us, he says, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. So the eight spies, they talked about the giants in the land, the fearsome armies in the land, but not Joshua and Caleb. They said, no, if the Lord is for us, we can go in and conquer this land, right? But because the people were afraid and dared not obey God, because of their fear of the people, they end up being punished in the wilderness to wander for 40 years until all of them were gone. And only Joseph and Caleb remained from the original people who refused to go in and obey God to conquer the land. Because it was only Joshua and Caleb who stood their ground against everyone else. Okay, so God gave them the opportunity to see His promise come to reality. Now, what can we learn from the words and choices of this one elderly gentleman, Caleb? And I hope that it would encourage you that despite we are ordinary men, we can do great things for God because we have an extraordinary God. So the first we want to look at Caleb's faith, right? So Joshua is Moses' successor. What happened 
to Caleb. So first about Caleb's faith is that Caleb believed that God is bigger than the giants in the land. Now, uh, The Art of War by Sun Tzu says, Every battle is won or lost before it is even fought. And because during that time, everyone else thought they will be defeated by the people of the land, the Anakites or the Anakim, they refused to obey. But we realized that the spies were not sent out to determine the outcome of the war. They were sent to survey the land, to prepare the takeover because God has already promised them success way in advance. But the response unearthed a fundamental problem in the hearts of the people. They feared men more than they feared God. Because despite the mighty deliverance from the land of Egypt, you can take these people out of Egypt, but their years of slavery cannot take Egypt out of them. Okay, so these people had to perish in the wilderness so that another generation will emerge to become God's people from their descendants, except for Joshua and Caleb, who will be alive and well during this time. Now let's look at Caleb's faith. It says in verse 6, Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenesite, said to them, these are Caleb's words. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me, Joshua and Caleb. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. I wholly followed the Lord my God. Despite everyone else was afraid, feared for their life, and refused to obey because they feared the people of the land, the Anakites, Caleb said, Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God, right? Even though everyone was in a position, he was the minority, Caleb held on to who he believed his God was. He was not frightened by mere appearances because despite this was an army of Goliaths that they saw in this place, Caleb believed that his God, Yahweh, the creator of all things, the God of the fathers of Israel was bigger than this Anakites, this city of Goliaths. Imagine David's uh, time, the armies of Saul were afraid of one giant man. But in this time, you know, everybody living in that specific place were huge people, not a city of Goliaths. And a reason for the people of Israel to really be afraid, but they forgot who is the one fighting their battle for them, right? The God of deliverance, the God of angel armies, the God who owns the entire world, who punishes sin. He is the one 
who will give to Israel that land. So Caleb has this unshakable faith. So he stick to his God despite all the eight spies and the entire nation of Israel stood against God's command. He stick it out. And his faith hasn't changed even after 45 years. Now I wonder what is the condition of your faith today having gone through trial upon trial in your life, especially with the crisis we are in right now and how you have been trusting God to use your life. What great exploit is God burdening in your heart in the past? What is it that he would like you to accomplish to leave your mark as a follower of Christ, to really, you know, exemplify loving God and making disciples. I don't know what specific task he asks of you. And it's not because you are an extraordinary person today. It is because you are an ordinary person whom is willing to be used of God. And we have an extraordinary God who we must obey. Yes, a God-sized task requires a God-sized faith but it's not about the task it's about our god as followers of christ we are soldiers to march onward to bring the gospel of christ to the ends of the earth and we are all given by god a unique role to fulfill so that we can live the marks of christ in this earthly life to fulfill the great commission and if you don't know your role yet then you have to seek it with all your heart now one of our female elders she felt burdened to do a ministry for elderly people and so she prayed for many years for god to open the way and that is why we have the menuka center right a ministry that ministers to elderly people who is stuck at home left alone now, waiting for their children to come home uh, who are busy at work. No? He wanted to care for them and minister Christ to them. And so she found her place, and that is a ministry that we have right now today. I don't know what specific group of people God is burdening in your heart to reach. Students, youth, adults, mothers, okay, um, the financially challenged, spiritually challenged, emotionally challenged, whatever that is, if you really want God to use you, then you have to believe that He is an ordinary, extraordinary God, that you are to trust and obey. Because at the end of this pandemic, we do not want to emerge only to have survived. We are alive. That's it. We want to really leave our mark so that the world is forever changed, to love God and make disciples. Now, Comenius was an ordinary teacher who loved God, and he was also a pastor of a church. And this uh, teacher, male teacher, loved children so much and education that he worried about a certain practice in his culture, and that is hitting children with a stick. Because the people then believe if you hit the child with a stick, that is only the time they will remember what they learned. And so with this bothering him, he started to explore and advocate 
the removal of this practice, okay, by creating means and ways to educate children. You know, he would not have imagined he will be known today as the father of modern education. Comenius is from the Czech Republic. He is a world-renowned uh, educator today. He stopped the beating of children in education. Not only that, he also was the one who invented flashcard method. Now, he created and devised creative means for children to learn. And it was proven so effective that it is still being used today. Without the beating of children, they learned even better. Ordinary man with an extraordinary God. Aside from Caleb's faith, we now look at Caleb's hope. What is it about Caleb's hope that made him stay on the mission that God has appointed him for 45 years? Caleb thought and believed in his heart despite the delay of 45 years, despite he was uh, going through the wilderness around and around with all those who disobeyed God. He believed God will carry out what he has promised, that at the end the victory will come. Now, in our generation and age, broken promises has produced lots of brokenness in people. When parents don't fulfill their promises, when uh, you know, uh, leaders fail in their words or their example, and when politicians in particular, no, they gave uh, empty promises that they never fulfill, we start blacklisting them. Because when a president or an official makes empty promises, we call them liars, and so we become distrustful of the government, distrustful of the leaders, distrustful of parents, distrustful of others because of the broken promises that we receive. But guess what? Because we are human and we are not in full control of everything, we will, at a certain time of our lives, make broken promises. We will say things we cannot keep because of our limitation, but not God. God is not limited by anything. Now, I hear people, no, over-promise, under-deliver, or over-deliver, under-promise na lang. So, whichever. But I think both are the same thing. No, not being honest to get away with the negative impact. But God is not a mere man that he should make up stories or even lie. What he says will come to pass. So in verse 9, it says, Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot hath trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you holy, you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said. Right? It's 45 years after. He continued to believe and today says, Today is the day I'm going to see the fulfillment of God's promise to me 45 years ago. These 45 years since the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, 
I am 85 years old. Right? Caleb believed in his heart what God has promised will come to pass. He will fulfill it over the human failings, over the problems that we encounter. Because Caleb's faith in God did not change even how long he waited because he knew that God keeps his promises. He braced through the delay and he hoped for the fulfillment with his own eyes. He was an ordinary man who believed an extraordinary God. Hope is an unwavering resolve that whatever happens, we know and believe deep in our heart, God keeps what he has promised. It will happen. And when we face challenges of our faith and we look into the promises of God, then we can uh, overcome the hardships of life no? without fear because we are holding on, looking forward for what God has promised. So where you put your hopes long-term is quite important. When you don't see the results, you need to know where your hope lies. When there are challenges and difficulties and sidetracks, you need to know where your hope is. Otherwise, you would have given up long ago and not pursued what God has called you to do. Now, there are two major influencers in India who went through difficulties, but they continue to be revered when you go to India. So in one of my visits to Calcutta, now I was able to visit the mission house uh, started by William Carey, a, mission, a British missionary to India. And if you read his biography, he went through lots of pains and difficulties trying to be a missionary to share the gospel to these people. And so he is still respected today and known today there. Why? Because aside from loving the people and suffering the way he suffered, no, he made a great contribution in the nation of India, and that is the ab abolishment of the sati practice. What is the practice? They burn the wives along with their dead husband. Okay? When the husband dies and the wife is still alive, during the burial, they burn the wives together with the dead husband. So he was responsible as a Christian missionary to advocate against it until it was totally eradicated from the practice in India. Another woman we all revere is a Nobel Peace Prize winner, Mother Teresa. She was a lady who just felt called by her Lord to go to India as a teacher. But when she saw the difficulties in India, she started to do more than teach children. She ended up starting orphanage to adopt those poor kids traveling on, uh, on the streets, providing education. She started to see people dying in the streets, so she built a house where she could bring in those dying people to give them a decent death. And so today, there are 200 global organizations from her cause, right? These two people were ordinary people who had an extraordinary God. And that's the difference. Do you want to be a great man or do you want to be a great God? And God only needs 
ordinary men and women with an extraordinary God to accomplish what He has called us to do. Faith in God to identify our mission and hope in God to endure until that mission comes to fruition. Now, third we look at is Caleb's courage. Right? Caleb's courage. What do we learn about Caleb's courage? He believed that at the age of 85, he can still go to battle and kick those army of Goliaths out of that land because he has a God who has promised him success. Now, if you have watched the movie Hacksaw Ridge, it's about this uh, Christian guy who refused to carry a weapon to battle. Right? And so he was a laughing stock because he, he says, in my faith, I don't carry guns. I won't carry knives. I won't carry those weapons. I will just go with you. And Desmond Doss, uh, which was based on a true story, he single-handedly rescued 75 of his comrades who were wounded in battle. He carried them one by one out of Hacksaw Ridge. Ordinary man, a laughing stock. People didn't even look up to him, look at him, believe him. But he had an extraordinary God. Right? And so, with you today, who would have thought that uh, this old man, uh, can you imagine an old man at the age of Caleb, and surrounded by youngsters because all their parents have already perished in the wilderness, going to battle. This old man running in front. Let's go, guys. Let's go in the land and conquer this land. That's the picture that should be in your mind. He was surrounded by young men. And only he and Joshua were old men who were alive during that time. And he says in verse 11, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me that was 45 years back. My strength now is as my strength then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country to, of which the Lord spoke on that day, for you heard on that day how the Anakim, you know, the huge people, were there with great and fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out, just as the Lord said, he hold on to God's promises to pursue what God has called him to do, to obey. Because it's not really competence that matters in this case, but his confidence in God. Now Joshua needed lots of reassurance as he took over to become the successor of Moses in conquering the land. But Caleb had this God-sized confidence he had confidence that God will help him overcome the Anakim and their fortified cities that he was promised to be his inheritance at the age of 85. At the age of 85. Right? Some may trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of our God. Some may trust in military strength, in financial wealth, but no, we have someone better to trust. Our God. Our God. 
who is in control, who gives us the victory. And so here is the choice that Caleb made at 85. I'm going. I'm fighting. I'm not going to sit here and wait. I'm going to claim and obey and see it come to pass. So once you've identified the mission God has appointed you to do, you are to endure in hope, but you also have to work and fight hard to see that mission come to reality in your life. Great achievement is usually born of great sacrifice, and it is never a result of selfishness. Right? Great achievement is about sacrifice. We have to do our part and trust that God will do His part. We cannot just sit and wait for things to happen on, our, on its own. There are people out there, your relatives, friends, colleagues, who need Christ, and you have the message. Despite you cannot see them face to face, you can do something to bring that message across and make disciples, right? And make disciples. And because you, we trust in an extraordinary God, we can expect God's reward to come. God gave Caleb victory and an inheritance as God has promised. Caleb saw the fruit of his faith. Caleb saw exactly what happens when you trust in God. And it is mind-blowing that despite all the difficulties they went through for those 45 years, he is now right there standing at the land which God has promised to him. It says here, Then Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, to this day. Because, again, he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Again, it is not about our competence. It is about our full obedience. Full obedience. Now, the name of Hebron formerly was Kiryat Arba because Arbas was the greatest man among the Anakim and the land had rest from war. So, as we hold on to God, we look forward for the joy of seeing our reward. Seeing our reward. We can have joy today as we see that disciple-making works, that lives change as we love God and make disciples. As we reach out one by one, sharing Christ to them, as we disciple, invite them to church, invite them to small group, as we seek to mature people in the faith, we will see that it works. You know, I was helping this uh, church in particular, uh, training uh, for disciple-making, and the news that they gave me uh, last week was uh, among their eight churches, not practicing the disciple-making principles they learned from class. Last year, they were able to start more than 100 small groups during the pandemic, some online, some minimal face-to-face. -face. They were able to start, eight churches started more than 100 small groups. But before that, they trained their leaders to make disciples for two years. 
and now they're reaping the fruit of their labor because when the pandemic struck, the leaders were ready to go and make disciples. Now they found every opportunity to start ministry. And so it is with us. No? We are also to have the same faith in the God who called us to make disciples of all nations. So allow me to conclude. As we look forward for the reward with joyful expectation of the reward of obedience, the reward of fruitfulness because of our faithfulness, no? we will hear that phrase, well done, good, and faithful servant. So again, what is the mission that God is asking you to fulfill? What part in the Great Commission or role is He giving to you? You have to identify your mission with faith in this God who calls. And you have to stay on track with hope that He will make it happen as He has promised, just like Caleb, waiting for the years, 45 years. And you have to fight hard now with courage to pursue that high ideal God has placed in your life. And finally, we receive the reward with joy. We look forward for the fruitfulness that will come as we stay faithful. Ordinary man with an extraordinary God. Will you be that ordinary man who God will use to make a difference in the lives of others. You know what? Jesus chose to be ordinary just like you and me 2,000 years ago to be born an ordinary man in a manger to suffer and die. Why? Because he wanted to show us what an ordinary man can do when they are used by an extraordinary God. He wanted to set us an example. That's why he chose to be ordinary for us to finally, hopefully, understand the point that it's not you being extraordinary, but in your ordinariness, believe in an extraordinary God. You do not need to be extra special to be used of God. You just need to follow God and obey God, love God, make disciples. Now, there is this man in the Bible who was extraordinary. And his name is the Apostle Paul. He was a very learned man. Uh, you know, he has status, citizenship, the works. But he chose to be ordinary so that he could be used of God in extraordinary ways. That's why he said, whatever I have, I count as rubbish for the sake of Christ. That's the idea. Okay, and I'd like to read, to close my message, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Okay, we look to Jesus because he chose to be ordinary to show you that you have an extraordinary God. Let me read from Paul's excerpt in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, But we have this treasure in jars of clay. He was describing himself as an earthen jar, a useless piece of thing that contains heavenly treasure to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. 
We are afflicted in every way, yet not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look to things that are seen but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen is eternal. Brothers and sisters, you can be an ordinary man today believing in an extraordinary God. Identify your role and mission in faith. Okay? Stay focused and stay on track with hope. Now keep fighting for the mission with great courage because you can expect joy to come when you receive the reward of obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you for giving us this opportunity to again look into the life of Caleb one last time and be amazed at how you can use an ordinary man to do extraordinary things because you are such an extraordinary God. Help our hearts, help our faith, and help our lives, really, in the years to come to continue exemplifying what it means to love God and make disciples. Give us the courage to obey, to trust and obey in you, our mighty God, who is infinite in his wisdom, infinite in power, infinite in your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday. Love God, make disciples, you ECP family.